Ghosts are horny. Ookie. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had mm-hmm. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. Hi and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Graham. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your host for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. So today as our check-in, instead of talking about something related to the episode, I thought we could share a really lovely email we got last week sometime from Leah, whose dissertation is about race and gender and vampires, especially 19th century stuff, which is exactly our shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so, I love it so much. Yeah, um, give me that gothic shit. Yes. Yes, the classic 19th century gothic that's that shit that we like Mm -hmm. not that you know i have a problem with like cyber goths and their (laughs) tube hair or whatever but i've been occasionally caught dancing under a bridge so (laughs) (laughs) well we wanted to read some of the email for you to share her ideas and we love hearing from you also we're on twitter as you all know tumblr instagram but also email is a great way to send longer thoughts yeah, if you have long-form comments about stuff or you just want to rant, please info dump. Yes. We want to know everything that you know. So this is from Leah. Hello, people. Just wanted to send an email because my thoughts were too long for Twitter. I've just finished the episode for 1x18 Something Wicked, and I really, really love the lore section on this trigger, especially the relation to vampires. I did my dissertation on female vampires in literature, and I was buzzing about the links you found between some of the early tropes in vampire fiction slash myth and the lore you dug up on the Striga, as it felt similar to my own previous research. Essentially, female vampires tend to be more passive with their victims, especially where they are primary vampire figure, i.e. not the brides of Dracula linked directly to children, and kills disguised as medical illness. This happens to a lesser degree in Dracula, but the victims tend to become ill mysteriously, life force slowly drained, but you don't see it happening. In the 19th century, the symptoms of a victim, as well as the symptoms of vampirism, mirror tuberculosis almost exactly, and there is some interesting writing from the time about TB and who it affects, the usual things punishing women for sexuality, independence, etc. The best example of the vampire-slash-striga parallel is in The Blood of the Vampire by Florence Marriott, where the protagonist is a mixed-race psychic vampire. It's from 1897, so the depictions of race are dicey, but there are some ideas about vampirism that are quite different from the typical canon established by books like Dracula. Motherhood-slash-childbirth are also major themes. The protagonist does actually kill a child at one point, albeit unconsciously. It's an unusual read and not very well known, so if you wanted to see something a bit different from that period. I just think 
that there are a lot of really interesting ideas in mythology, and specifically that is then used in Gothic lit, where the monstrous woman is linked with anxieties about motherhood, race, and sexuality. And it's fun to see the way these themes are seen across these different types of monsters. Like you said in the episode, the Striga was linked to so many other myths in the variations slash combinations. But anyway, rambling message to say there's a lot of additional backup to what you were discussing with 19th century Victorian writings, both fiction and nonfiction, and it's my favorite subject. If you're interested in my dissertation, it's not that good, but got more specific examples of what I was talking about. You can read it here, and that's linked in our show notes. I'm so excited to listen to your more recent episodes and see what you have to say about race and vampirism, as it's really another dense topic. Keep it up and keep dragging John Winchester. Thanks, Leah, at Dr. Horrible. Thank you, Leah. Yes, thank you so much, Leah. I know there was some self-dragging about the dissertation, but I'm actually really excited to take a look at it. I am so miss having access to scholarly articles since I graduated finally from college. And it's just nice to look at other people's academic work on topics that I'm also insane about. <laughs> yeah, and I really like the dissertation. I've almost finished reading it and a lot of it goes into Carmilla and then linking it with love carmilla i love hearing about the weird texts that aren't as often talked about so thank you so much for sharing this like truly it's awesome read yeah Yeah. i really like the idea and i love that we get the chance to really talk about this in this podcast because supernatural is you know at this point i would consider it quote unquote an older show but specifically when we look at monsters like vampires we sometimes in our brains we tend to see them as a species but really breaking down that trope also into gender roles and other ways that people have been othered is yeah it's so interesting and a real reflection of the time that that was written in right exactly and it continues to be so i think it's so important to look at the origin oh my god it changes just like it does today with like is it a sexy vampire this week right is it really just a white person well i'm sure between jasper and i we could sit down and probably list over a hundred monster movies that up until even today covers this same topic of like the womanhood the fear of getting older the fear of motherhood like the crazy thing about it is all of them are so similar but they're all so different in so many ways too like every person who makes something about monsters and monstrosity is bringing their own nuance to it even if it's the same vampire like if we're only looking at vampire movies or only looking at movies about witches like every single one has a different idea about that form of monstrosity and what that means about how people interact with each other in real life and it's just something that i find endlessly engaging oh absolutely and it gives us so much context to the world itself the third season of unobscured with aaron Mankey is about jack the ripper and we lose so much of the historical context about anti-semitism 
right and so luckily it brings it up i think if you read the text from the time right that gives you a far better picture of what was going on in the reality as well right exactly and that's why it's important to read these older documents i feel so weird saying stuff from the 19th century is old like i know it's (laughs) old but i'm like that's not that old maybe it's just because during my last couple of years of college i was reading stuff from like hundreds of years prior yes that was like basically indecipherable but i'm like ah victorian english that's not that's like yesterday come on (laughs) (laughs) but also not just reading those but reading academic texts Mm -hmm. and i stand by a academic language doesn't need to be so needlessly complicated but b everyone should have access to it and should at least try to read it occasionally even though Mm -hmm. it's like it can be dense because i feel like the kind of articles and stuff that are actually free and easily accessible or just I don't know they're garbo when it comes to this stuff like you said they leave out important nuance especially when it comes to topics we don't want to talk about like anti-semitism or racism and that kind of defeats the purpose when your whole subject is monstrosity and othering yeah so tirade over but anyway yeah so we just wanted to give a shout out and a big old thank you for thinking about us and thank you again leah today's episode is season two episode 12 night shifter the one where the boys girl boss gaslight and gatekeep this episode was written by ben edland yay and directed by phil screechia and originally aired on january 25th 2007 one day after dean's birthday (laughs) oh I love this cold open. Yes. I know I'm always like, I love it when they play with the form. Like it's it's just when you have a form and you're using it every single episode, if you can figure out a way to change it just a little bit, it's always so fun and surprising. I love the framework of the local news. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's such a staple of like anything to do with strangeness and the supernatural and and like alien activity, mm-hmm. paranormal stuff, just have that it's like almost as big a trope as the girl going home and googling vampire you know (laughs) and i think it's so perfect here because on top of the fact that they're playing with the form it's also an echo directly of how they opened season one episode six skin And since this whole episode is really about following up on that and the fallout of all of that stuff in St. Louis, I just thought it was super smart. Yeah, I love when they take other formats and copy that and emulate it. Like, this was such a fun version of that, and it really brings you right back to watching those news stories growing up. Right, And I don't know if there's a word for it in television, but in uh, nonfiction writing, what that's called is like a hermit crab. So it's like you have an essay, and it's settling into a new shell. Oh, I've never heard that. That's awesome. So it's basically like we have this cold open sort of idea, but Mm -hmm. it's moved itself into this new hermit crab shell of like local news television. Yeah, I might be so bold as to say this (gasps) might be my favorite cold open thus far in the series. In this, Oh, in the whole series. At least up to season two, episode 12. 
Yes. Yeah. This was fun. And Dean's... Oh, my god. Jensen Ackles' facial acting also just made this cold open as well. Jordan, like, busts out laughing. But I love it. Poor little Dean. He looks so freaked out. He does. like Bambi in headlights. Right. It almost feels like a Bigfoot sighting of Dean. (laughs) Because he's, like, slightly behind the security guard. And he's like, oh, don't look at me. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I love that when we catch up in time to that moment way late in the episode... Mm -hmm. The camera is super different because we're yeah. not from the perspective of the local news. We're from Dean's perspective. And his displeasure and his stress and all of that, his shock at the amount of police that are there up close in his face really, I think, retrospectively changes the tone mm-hmm. of the open. For me, anyway, having seen the episode already and knowing that we're going to be like really close and tight with Dean in that moment again. But yeah, it was still when you laughed I also had to laugh (laughs) (laughs) I think it's funny that you say that because this does a good job of emulating several different types because it starts with that and you're right later on we get this close like very in Dean's headspace Mm -hmm. Um, and then we also after this opening scene we get him investigating at a jewelry store and it's like I swear every detective show Mm -hmm. has one suave guy who's always like yes this job's so hard like hitting on every single person at each crime scene it's so weird even though this episode is very anti-cop we do still get a kind of like good cop and bad cop vibe from sam and dean Mm -hmm. or at least one of them is made out to seem more competent than the other less than like a i'm being nice and my partner's being mean kind of vibe Mm. it's more of like a I'm dicking around and my partner is doing the work, which I think is really pretty indicative of how their dynamic is framed, even in the episodes where they're not necessarily pretending to be cops. Yes. Yeah, it's like Dean's the happy-go-lucky that's never, like, concerned with getting the right story, and then Sam's in the back doing the real research. Right. And I I think this is one of the ways that you can tell that it's going to be more of a Dean episode right out the gate. Sam is super serious and, like, kind of cold in his demeanor is a good indication that this episode is not going to be as focused on him. Mm Mm-hmm. Although, he does look a little bumbling while he's flirting with this woman. So at first I was like, but it could be a Sam. It could be a Sam for a moment there. But then he doesn't, like, trip or some shit. Right. And I think it's so funny, Jordan, that your perspective on this moment... What what the fuck was it you said earlier? You were like, he looked like he was going to throw up. Yeah. I don't know. There's just something... And I feel like this might become a theme throughout this series, but Jensen Ackles' acting choices with his face when he's talking to people in particular, sometimes I really just want to be like, what were you trying to portray here? Because in here... I didn't see like genuine interest maybe it could be read as like discomfort or like she's just so cute or like whoa surprise but to me it was like he felt very uncomfortable yeah it's funny you say that because i think this is one of the first times 
starting from episode one all the way to here, that I think he genuinely seems interested in someone he's flirting with. He's like taking the time to really invest in this like FBI agent persona in order to try and like connect true and get somewhere and you know doing this whole like aloof can't really be bothered thing but oh i guess since you're already giving me your number you like might as well take it yeah it felt Fair. like him having fun playing the role like he gets to play dress up so might as well like mm-hmm. speaking of their dress up they looked good. They looked so cute. They do. They looked so cute. Especially Sam with his little, whenever they do like the more serious disguises, he combs his hair back behind his mm-hmm. ears. Oh my gosh. And their black trench coats going on. I'm like, oh, this is so X-Files. I love it. It really is. Yeah. Adorable. Since we're already talking about clothes, mm-hmm. the jewelry counter girl, I loved her shirt. Yes. It was very of the times and made sense for her. Yeah, it was like this cream satin thing mm-hmm. with like these structured hems that were adorned with tiny pleats. And I just thought it looked so smart. Now, let me tell you something about her makeup and her eyebrows. Oh, her eyebrows. They were, it was not good it was not good but the shirt was incredible yeah the mid to late 2000s we still had not left that like reminiscent of the 1920s pencil brow it's like finally starting to go away mm-hmm. but like ooh, yeah it was just like a little bit too and like the the smudge of pale blue eyeshadow i was like no <laughs> yeah she's like someone who's been wearing the same makeup for 10 years right 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 i will say too sam's eyebrows were looking a little thin in this episode as well i kind of wonder if he had just had them plucked <laughs> jared <laughs> did you have your eyebrows tweezed right before this yes it looked like it <laughs> they just went a little thin this time they were very arched I love how we immediately start with the cop hate here from Dean. Oh, yeah. When he says, they're doing our job, but they don't know it, so they suck at it. Right. Yeah. Like, from the start of this episode. Right. We love the cop hate. Yes. The cop hate's great. One thing I like about this episode is it's another episode where they really do make the boys look like professionals Mm -hmm. like we start out there in their costume even the dean flirting scene like we know he can play the role really good even though he always doesn't because he's a goofball Mm -hmm. but we're immediately shitting on the cops which is good so it's just like we can do it so much better which is proven throughout the episode i mean they are privy to insider information yes that the cops don't have however cops are stupid and they don't solve crimes or protect people anyway yes so and that can be backed up with statistics which i probably should have came up with in advance (laughs) but usually they just show up after shrug and never do anything yeah and Um, the system's set up for exactly that yep 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 yep. cops protect property not people yep which makes sense why they'd be checking out the jewelry store and like care about this case right true 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 my one moment of this is probably a little too copaganda for me mm. is when they're introducing Ronald Resnick, who I fucking love. Literally, he's me. <laughs> I'm maybe a little less frantic. I'm definitely that sweaty. <laughs> Jasper. What? I take the max dose of Effexor. I'm a sweaty person. It's not my fault. Anyway, 
So they set him up to be like really paranoid and unreasonable, like right out the gate. So when they walk up to the step, he has those big floodlights that turn on. That's just a safety thing. That's not a crazy person thing. But they make him feel like he's really going overboard by asking to look at their badges and not letting them in until he's talked to them. Anyone who's listening, you don't have to let the cops in. Yeah. In fact, I would recommend against never letting them in. In fact, I think he lets them see way too much into their house first. What I do if a cop knocks on my door is I peek out at them. I'm like, what do you want? And then I go out the door and shut the door behind me. Because if they see anything through your screen or the crack in the door, whatever, that seems like something suspicious, they are legally allowed to then bust into your house without your permission. Correct. And you should always ask for their badges. Yes, check their badges. Because always, always, always. People will pretend to be cops. Oh, so. like these guys. Like these guys. <laughs> And obviously, it's a little different in this situation because we know that Dean and Sam are trying to help out. We know they don't have bad intentions, but the message that this sends about how people ought to interact with police is still one that I think is, again, copaganda. I do like how it first though we think he's gonna be crazy like he's set up to look the sure yeah crazy guy who has stuff pinned to his wall and right this shit but then we realize he may be a little off about some things like maybe what is causing these things right he's done all the fucking work right sam and dean he has the map he has his theories so right do you like how this leans into him actually knowing his shit yeah right. even if he just doesn't get the last bit right exactly yeah dean even says at some point that he had done all of the legwork Mm-hmm. for the investigation yep. even down to where the creature was probably based out of given where the crimes had taken place i was kind of excited too because i was like thinking about the roadhouse and how many like hunters we had seen like thought they were gonna do like the birth of a hunter oh. type arc with him i'm a yeah. little sad they didn't yeah this reminds me of my favorite genre of mystery book I specifically love mysteries where the people are like on the outskirts of society Mm -hmm. or seen as quote unquote crazy or irrational, specifically mainly women, but sometimes different cases. But Mm -hmm. just because you may be struggling in some parts of your life doesn't mean you didn't see shit or like shit's not going on. Like I love things that turn that on its head. Right, right, right. And I think... Dean clearly identifies with that. He's like, that's how we look. And, you know, I love that he doesn't look down on Ron, although he thinks his theories as to what is causing it are pretty funny. I do want to mention the slew of references they make to things. Mm. Terminator, specifically Terminator 2, the Cybermen, which are from Doctor Who. And it was a Doctor Who Cyberman on the magazine that he picked up. It's another one of those things like we were talking about last episode. I love, love, love when we're watching that episode and it really feels like the writer enjoys the genre they're writing in. Yes. When they can reference back to these things. I also like how consistent they are with whenever someone else is really into like media, especially like science fiction. Dean is immediately able to connect with them too. Yeah. The way he jumps in, he's like, oh yeah, like T2. That's how I interact with people. So I love to see it to me when he's like it's the chinese and the russians if there really were these creatures 
who says governments are not breeding them to then make it look like the average people are then attacking capitalistic groups yeah and, and not to us. that's the problem like you know these governments and people who are pro-capitalism yeah no i don't want to sound like a tinfoil hat but the government actively sabotages its own citizenry yeah. all the time thinking specifically me and jordan were just talking about the fucking crack epidemic in the 90s like that was perpetrated by our government so you know i mean i don't think it's that much of a stretch to be like yeah they would make some kind of crazy robot creatures i mean there's the boston what is it but yeah boston mechanics boston what the fuck that does the yellow robot dogs but they're not dogs yeah yeah. those are just fucking drones that they're saying are dogs so that we're comfortable with them that's gonna be some fucking military shit i'm just saying and i'm getting put on a list right now (laughs) as we speak yeah i'm not saying the government has shapeshifters like please don't think i've dived into that deep yeah i mean i'm saying if there were shapeshifters i wouldn't be surprised the government would use yes absolutely what did you think about the difference in attitude towards ron from sam and dean i love it and i love how it shows like how sam's kind of falling into the like it's not worth telling them and then mm-hmm. dean completely looks at him like he is gaslighting this person which he is yeah and and to be fair dean is also yes. helping yeah. to gaslight but but dean doesn't look comfortable and then it tells right. him later so i have more of a free pass for that and i just love the line i think it's a little bit creepy how good of a fed you are right yeah and i think this is something that's consistent with sam and dean and their interactions and perspective on police sam is always better at dealing with police and pretending to be police than dean i'm thinking a lot about i want to say in faith his interactions with police and being willing to treat them with respect and talk to them respectfully also in hookman hookman same kind of thing although of course in this case they're pretending to be cops and and feds and i mean pre-series he was going to law school yeah that's the other thing Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. i will say i think he was not going to be a prosecutor Mm. someone correct me on if that's fanon or not that he was going to be defense or prosecution Mm -hmm. but i'm pretty sure he was doing criminal law like one way or the other i'm not entirely sure but i yeah i agree it does cause him to maybe be a little more clinical at times and I think there is a difference in like self image going on there too. Sam is like this guy's a kook. And I think we've repeatedly seen that, you know, he's he didn't finish college. He didn't graduate, but he was about to be accepted into law school. Like Ivy League. Yeah. Stanford. Mm-hmm. That's a Stanford law is a big deal. And I think like Dean specifically made sacrifices of himself to be the outsider so that Sam Mm -hmm. could have the privilege of fitting in. Yeah. So I think it reflects that Sam always had that privilege. Dean didn't have that privilege, so he relates to it. Sure. And I mean, I would complicate that by saying the nature of their childhoods and moving around made sure that Sam was also an outsider. But the fact that he got to go and have a relatively normal college career, I think, gives him a sense of... I don't want to say elitism because I think that's extreme. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think 
he does set himself apart. And I think that's something that's really hard not to do when we live in a society that, you know, treats people who don't have a college education like they're trash, you know. I was kind of curious what you all had thought about, too, with the building storyline we have with Sam personally that had been going on in this season and how it would relate to this moment as well. Oh, you mean like his concerns about balancing the scales? Yeah, so I'm like, in his mind, is he like save someone at any cost yeah i think that definitely plays into it i mean i think in his mind being cold and dismissive and gaslighting this guy is saving his life and i don't think i don't think he's entirely wrong about that i think he just didn't realize how serious ron was when ron said if no one's gonna do anything about this i am Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah it's interesting to me because he's doing everything he can to avoid being the bad person but i do think this brings into question like Mm-hmm. Does he have the right ideals of justice? Because there is no completely neutral way to look at something. And he might have to readjust what he sees as doing the right Yeah, way. like a method right. versus means. Yeah, kind of. That's a And ends justifying the means kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Impact versus intent. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, we're getting the shifter. I was excited to see the shapeshifter again because it was iconic in skins. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Truly but, iconic. Truly. But, like, they made a point of being like, this is where original werewolf stories comes from. And I'm like, there better be real werewolves. <laughs> if they're not, I'm going to go down. I'm going to fight Eric Kripke. Eric Kripke, we're coming for you. It's going to be very surprising that that's why someone is fighting him, I'm sure, <laughs> when there's so much other stuff to fight him about. But the werewolf is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back if they're they're not existing in this universe. I think that's fair. I think that's reasonable. It's weird, too, because werewolves aren't even my favorite monster. I've just built them up so much. I still flip back and forth if I prefer werewolves or vampires. I think it just depends on the time of year and... Vampires for life. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you. This is one of my favorite questions I'm just, okay, to ask people. I, it's like there's a lot of overlap between the yes. two. They're not entirely separate genres of monster. To me, it's how much religious trauma did you have? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Gives you that answer? I don't know, though, because ah, I, I feel like we're gonna, this is gonna be a whole, whole big thing. But definitely tweet at me, do you prefer werewolves or vampires? Yes. What's better? Wanna I want to know. But in any event... We don't need to talk about that, although it is tangentially related because we're talking about shifters and they're all in the same basic genre of monster. Yes. Before we get to the bank. Yes. I have something I want to mention. What would you like to mention? The motel they are in. The motel. They're in a motel when they're talking about how Sam responded to Ron and it's a really quick scene. And in this motel behind Dean, there is a wall Mm -hmm. of beer bottles, like artistically displayed. And then on the wall behind Sam, it is like exposed stone that's like nowhere near finished. And I'm like, where the fuck are these two guys? (laughs) Um, They're in Milwaukee, Allie. Milwaukee? Do you have places like this? (laughs) Yeah. Anyone from Milwaukee, let us know. It was like you took Man Cave literal? Yeah, apparently. I just... Please, someone go and tell me I'm not crazy when they see this. That's it. Just needed to mention that motel. 
I have to tell y'all, I did tear up a whole bunch at the okie dokie bit. I, I'm so weak. I'm so weak for Dean just liking stupid things like that. Is that why you were doing that face? Yeah, part of it. I'm also really not immune to coveralls. I don't know what it is, but coveralls just do something to me. <laughs> it's that working class vibe, Allie. What are you not understanding No, here? I'm understanding. I'm thinking. I'm like, what if one day... <laughs> We didn't tell you we're throwing, like, a weird shit Jaspers into party. <laughs> we've got nuns. We've got coveralls. <laughs> we each just dress as a character. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But not on your birthday. No. No, it's no. some random time where you are not expecting. We're just really not expecting it. Anyway, I'm not immune to Dean being adorable. And I did cry a little bit. And I accidentally scared Allie. <laughs> I just... Jasper's looking at me. I feel them looking at me. I turn. Jasper has hands on either side of their eyes, like stretching out their face, going, Don't look at me, Allie. And I just turn to Jordan, like, Jordan, can you please help me? I wasn't. Okay, literally, I felt your body move, so I turned my head. I, like, must have adjusted slightly, but then I just feel Jasper stare boring in my soul. It was not like that. It was exactly like No, it that. wasn't. Sorry, I was thinking about werewolves, but I heard my name. <laughs> uh, I love when Ronald runs in and he's like, this is not a robbery with the gun. <laughs> not a robbery. I love that line. Run. Oh, sweet baby. That was such a good line. Also, there was one really good Sam line where he's watching the videos and he's like, Maybe we should just go back to the sewers. And I feel like that's my life story <laughs> somewhere. And I'm like, maybe I should just go back to the sewers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Where did freaking Ron get like that crazy, like assault rifle? I don't know what the gun laws are. Yeah, honestly, that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't know what the gun laws are like in Wisconsin, but like literally Walmart. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> like, as long as he has it like registered to his name or whatever like yeah i don't know we live in a society <laughs> i was just like cheese and rice yeah. damn and like did yeah, you just say cheese and rice yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like yeah ron's right about it all he's just like not going about it the right way right like he's definitely not meant for this mm -hmm. end of the hunting gig but then we get another great Sam line. I don't know why, but Sam had two of my favorite lines, like, almost back to back. Right. Because Ron is, like, talking to them, and Sam says something, and Ron shouts, shut up, I'm not talking to you, I don't like you, and Sam just goes, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> also a boo. <laughs> I was also yeah. kind of glad that Sam had to deal with his total assholeness in that yeah, moment. Right. And then there's that brief couple of seconds a few scenes later where they're like standing near each other while Dean is investigating and he's just like hey Ron. Like it's so <laughs> awkward. <laughs> it is fantastic. Oh, I felt so bad when Dean was kind of calling out Ron and all of his mistakes and he was like, stay out of the light, stay out of the light. And I just knew what was going to happen yeah. in this episode. 
And poor poor Ron was like just doing everything wrong. Like he takes Dean's silver knife. Okay. Oh, I didn't write a note about this, but I'm glad that I just remembered to say something about Ron taking the knife because okay, now why the fuck was that knife sticking out of his boot blade up? How the hell is he gonna grab that out of his boot? Delicate sideways middle finger thumb. Oh my god. In the middle Jordan. of a fight, little ballerina he's, kind of. He's oh my kick god. Him with his ankle. Oh my god. To stab them. It's a surprise. Yeah, maybe he like rubs his ankle on people <laughs> to like slightly. Oh my god. That's actually smart though. Is no, it? it <laughs> Here, monster, just let me seductively rub my ankle on you. Ron can live in my roadhouse headcanon, so roadhouse should have Andy, Sherwin, oh, yes, Sherwin, and Ron. What about Ash? Well, Ash is already there. Okay, okay. <laughs> Obviously, just making sure he's included. Now I love and Ash. Ava, of course. Oh, and oh, Ava. Ava. I love Ava. I'm still waiting for that. I forgot Sherwin's there. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) Sherwin is the most important part of the team. Obviously. He keeps everyone grounded. (laughs) (laughs) He has his wise old man stories. Mm -hmm. Mm, Never ask an old man to tell a story. I do want to talk about the violence against the only black man in the group in the hostage group. the hostages because of course it's it's got to be the black guy it's gotta and i i was like damn it we reached <clears throat> a new level visually the two more graphic things here true are the woman sherry with her throat slit obviously it doesn't turn out to be but visually violent and also well, i mean when dean does finally kill the oh, shifter it's sherry and like she's had that's half of her point. arm peeled off yeah. and like she's beaten to a pulp and she's just slumped there over the knife and then supernatural reached a new level to me because supernatural managed to make the only person of color in the hostages both the victim and perpetrator of violence. Oh my god. Which is a new level. Yeah. That oh my both at once. I didn't even consider that. I was just like and again like a, it's always people of color and women. Like if this happened to men and obviously we see a, another male death here. Right. Which I'm not going to go into right now, but it is not so gruesomely violent and we're supposed to have empathy for that one in a way we we don't for the people who are sure objects who are yeah. sherry and this person of color who i don't think even is given a name sherry Correct. was also like kind of sexualized too yes. before her yeah yeah I, I, I mean i do have things to say about that yeah. which i think are larger thematic things yeah. which excuses the fact that well not excuses maybe but like explains more why her behavior is the way it is but yeah it's more of a like reasoning yeah sure yeah yeah and i just i just was mad and i'm like that's a new level i didn't know like we don't want that gold star supernatural got it right but we don't want it supernatural you can keep that right 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 i will say that in terms of race Stuff. I think this episode, with the introduction of Victor Henriksen now, granted, he's still an antagonist, but Mm. he's not a bad guy. Yeah. Not in the same way Gordon is. So I think this episode, despite all of Mm -hmm. that, with the black man being treated like a body, just an object, and then also being the monster, it still does some work overall. 
like for the season to kind of work in a better direction generally just just by balancing out this Mm. weird hyper violent extremely aggressive character of gordon walker yes i agree i thought that lended a lot to it yeah especially because henrickson is on the opposite side mm-hmm. of the law as gordon yeah he's more so. of a foil than a villain yeah 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 and and i think it, to a certain extent he it's not just that he foils dean and sam which is obvious mm-hmm. but he he foils gordon as well yeah. i think absolutely i just had to throw that out there oh yeah no of course i mean what's the point of just watching tv and not thinking about it like it's important to be like hey what the fuck when things are messed up like that yeah so i have a question yeah before we get to the point where ron dies Mm -hmm. i just i want to talk about ron a little more please or rather why does sam act like ronald is such a kook i literally don't know that's what's so weird about like this i know episode. we were talking before about maybe just an elevated sense of self due to a post-secondary education but i don't know that it really explains it because even dean says well he's really not that different from us well so i thought it would almost make more sense for dean to be the mean one because we we've kind of gotten narratively that dean is a little regretful Mm -hmm. of being a hunter and pushed into this life and if he could save someone else from that but sam like has had an out and he chose to be in this life with dean at this point yeah so I don't fully understand why he has, like, such a disdain for Ron. I didn't know what to make of it. I don't have an answer. I wish I did. Mm -hmm. I kept thinking that, and I'm just like, I don't know what it tells us about Sam. I could see, like, him dismissing, but I don't know if it tells us something greater in this, like, narrative arc. Yeah. I don't think there is one single answer. Mm -hmm. Another thing I thought, aside from his again sense of self based on education Uh, and and like the insider knowledge that he has because of the way he grew up and being a hunter and everything i wonder if there is like a fear of being perceived that way that he is projecting in a way that's different from dean whereas dean is like well this these are the people that we should identify with because they're already on the outskirts they're treated like outsiders and weirdos or whatever and sam doesn't want to be perceived that way and actively is like pushing against it i wasn't totally sure I mean, of course, as we've discussed, intent doesn't really necessarily matter, mm-hmm. but hmm. those were my thoughts. No, I think that could be it. Do wish that they would have had that be a consistent theme with Sam up mm-hmm. to this point, but the show does do it too, where something won't make sense, and then in the context of the next episode, it will. That's a good point. So yeah. maybe... Maybe we'll talk about it later this season. Another thing to think about is that one of the things that makes this show so compelling that I've literally watched over 300 episodes of it, <laughs> every single one, <laughs> is the fact that the characters feel really real in the sense that they are not always 100% consistent like real people when you look at their logic from different angles, mm-hmm. different actions that they have still make sense. It's just that they're not always going to behave the same way in every single situation. What I'm saying is, 
It's fine, Sam. You can be a little mean and unempathetic for a day yeah. if you're just needing to deal with shit. Like, true. good for you. <laughs> you deal with your stuff. And I do like how positioning Sam as the one who sees Ron die does really show him regretting how he treated him and learning sure. from it. So I guess that's my bigger thing is that even if it might not match the character, if they can learn from that experience and that quick judgment of someone, then that does right. a yeah. bigger growth in the end. Right. Yeah. And then the last thing I'll say about it too is Ron is actively making the hunt harder for them in some ways yes. too. And I and I think I understand Sam's elevated irritation later in the episode a lot more than I understand his early derisive attitude. Yeah. Like, I will say that. Like, Ron actively gets in the way and makes things worse. Is is Sam or Dean the one that hangs up on the police when Ron... Okay, it's Sam. That makes total sense. Yeah. Poor Sam. He was just having such a hard time. That whole... All of it. Having to put up with Ron, who was aggravating him, and then Mm -hmm. Sherry... Talking about Dean. Yeah, being thirsty for Dean. I did love that. That was so funny. It was funny. But I think it's also, like, important thematic content in this episode. How people perceive you, how you want to be perceived, and the lies you tell or the truths you tell in order to be perceived a certain way are the core of this episode. That's the core of the monster genre, is using the monster to reflect, like, its story Uh into the narrative. And I feel like this episode is very successful at that. Yeah, and I think it's even without, like, hitting you over the head with it. I think it's even more subtle than Skin, episode 6, season 1, because the shifter does not take the form of Sam or Dean. Yeah. Because of the fact that we just have to extrapolate the implied lines being drawn from the monster to Dean, particularly Mm -hmm. Dean. Um, it it, It makes it even more satisfying to think about those thematic concerns especially like get into like the third act of the episode and Henriksen arrives and he literally says there's a monster in there and it's Dean Winchester there's a monster in that bank and he's talking about Dean yeah if I had an FBI agent hunting for me I'd want this guy he has the best one-liners. Oh my god, I love him. He is a powerhouse. I, yeah. It's not even like a one-liner. Like, he just sure. went the fuck off on the phone. He's like, yeah, I don't have time for that. You can be dead for all I care. Da-da-da-da-da. He's like, I know everything about you. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. Goodbye. Like, I just love him. I love it so much. Yeah, I was a little sad of the whole keep the John name out of your mouth type of line from Dean. Well... But it makes sense. It, it does. does make sense. But I'm like, could I just forget yeah. about him for one episode? No, never. 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 Um, I do want to shout out, before we get farther into it, Ron. I know he was in Eureka. I can just imagine him if y'all watched Eureka. A little bit. Oh, he was so good in it. And I really, I really liked his character. And then also Sergeant Tucker was in one episode of Eureka. And he was also in uh, two episodes of Stargate SG-1, which is what I remember him from. Mm. Yeah, and that actor who plays Ronald, Chris Gothier, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to pronounce that, whatever. First name's Chris. He was also Smee in Once Upon a Time, if you're that kind of bitch who watches that show. yeah. 
So yeah, I really like him. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah, and Eureka's fantastic. If y'all haven't, it's one of those shows that was like airing when we were in high school, and I didn't watch a lot of TV when I was a teen. Same. I was like a film bro. Ah. It was embarrassing. Although, despite my attitude, I did have really good taste. I'm not gonna lie. So, disputable. I don't know what movies you watched. I just <laughs> wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> Why are you always trying to pick a fight with me? Leave me alone. I'm so put upon. Because <laughs> I think you're very confident and fun. To, we have similar interests, but similar interests in a way that we both like arguing about them. Hmm. So Fair, fair. The Virgo energy. It yeah. reverberates. <laughs> We're just a sounding chamber. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Since we were talking about John, mm-hmm. I think that moment about John is it's not just a throwaway. No. It is really important. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's not just the, like, don't talk about my dad like that kind of thing. It's it's the verbiage there. He says, my dad was a hero. And it's not the first time we've heard that word thrown about in this episode. Sherry calls Dean a hero when she is talking to Sam in the vault. And then is like, oh, I thought you were a good guy Mm -hmm. later so it's this idea of heroism versus monstrosity is really important here did gordon call john a hero at one point or allude to it you know i don't know if he used that specific word Mm -hmm. i would say he had a similar mentality though especially when he was like your dad would have done this and well i think even in bloodlust not just Mm -hmm. in hunted which was episode 10 there was a particular respect and reverence for John's supposed skill and mm-hmm. reputation mm-hmm. that I think could be described as heroic by Gordon. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember if he used that word now. I just like how many allegories can John be? <laughs> like, John is Dean, John is God, John is a hero. John's the car. John's the car. John's the devil. John's the jacket. John's the jacket. John John is in everything. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> His legacy is everywhere. That's why I'm saying like it's so hard for me to talk about John because he's hor- like fuck fuck that guy so much. Yeah. But like the basic narrative of the show does not function without him being the way he is. He is the ultimate antagonist. Yeah. Oh, so I did want to talk about Sergeant Tucker. He kind of looked like an older David Duchovny to me. And I almost wonder if that casting was intentional. Yeah, I don't know. And I will say, speaking of the detective there, again, a cab. But something that I find endlessly, like, I don't know. It's not even entertaining. I just find it really compelling is when media really amps up the tension between local police mm-hmm. and FBI agents. Like, he's like, oh, the feds are here. Like, I'm yeah. just like, yeah, fucking get them. <laughs> and yeah. then he's like, I don't know. Why don't you go home, eat donuts, and fuck your wife? <laughs> he's like, I don't care what you do. <laughs> like, I was like, okay. <laughs> I love him. I love Henriksen so mm-hmm. much. Yeah. I love both of them, honestly. Oh, true, 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 true. Mm-hmm. But Henriksen way more. Yeah. Henriksen in particular, yes. I love Henriksen's, like, fucking obsession with Dean. Yes. He is, like, honestly 
kind of a stan. Like, he seems honestly almost impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he knows fucking everything about him. It's weird. Like, he's just missing that one key element of the supernatural. I'm really excited, because obviously he came in with a real bang, and I'm really excited to see where this season is going to take Henriksen. I, I won't make too many predictions now, but I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. You should be. Henriksen is awesome. And since I briefly mentioned him, like, knowing Dean, I do want to talk about early in the episode. Remember he w- when he was talking to the jewelry clerk, his dialogue there directly echoes something that the shapeshifter said in season one, episode six, Skin, which is that he's lonely. Now, Dean was saying that to be like, oh, aloof detective guy can't tell people about my work persona. Mm -hmm. But that's how he really feels. Yeah, absolutely. And the layers of these character interactions in this episode are just so impressive to me. I think part of the reason why Dean takes such a shine to Ron is that Ron is someone who he wouldn't necessarily have to have secrets with. That's someone who can know him yeah. and be a friend. Like like he said, he is lonely. As much as he acts like, whatever, I just need my brother. He is. And then to compare Ron, who's someone who doesn't really know anything about Dean, but knows so much or could know so much mm-hmm about the life that Dean is living. And to compare that with Henriksen, who knows fucking everything about Dean. Yeah. Even down to his crazy ass childhood. But it's just missing that one thing. It's like so close to being exactly the person that Dean needs in his life. And on top of that is someone who is filling, again, this male authority figure role. Yeah. Which is what he has been missing more recently since the passing of his dad. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I feel so, I feel for him so much. I'm just like, oh, I just want to hug you, you poor little guy. Yeah, plus like, I don't know, anytime a character, even if it's someone who's literally an antagonist to Dean, brings up his father that is still keeping his father's legacy alive right. and he's going to attach to that so yeah right exactly i totally agree after this is this about when ron gets shot yeah. yeah 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 so that's when we find out that this current version of the shapeshifter is the black gentleman who was trying to get the old man out right um Another little thing I took issue with, because, like, he's kind of shown as nurturing and really caring about this man's well-being. Turns out it literally is just a shapeshifter trying to get something. Is that correct? Because there's the man having the heart attack. Yeah. 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 I'm just trying to put together not the words you're saying, but the implication that you're getting at. Oh, because it was, like, the one black person in the bank. Uh is shown as caring genuine wanting to take care of this man like you're gonna let this man die to sam which sam is just kind of like you're just gonna have to wait turns out that the one the only character that is a black man who is shown as caring which could be unlike how they've depicted black men in the past like gordon i see i see yeah so yeah and it's all farce yeah it's it's all a manipulation yeah right on top of the fact that he's already a villain he's not even a face value villain he's also a liar yeah so it's just like a 
something I noted. Right. Um, but yeah, so he gets away, and then that's when it's kind of like we have the stay in the light, stay out of the light comment comes back from Ron, which also kind of parallels the boys because when they are in the light and you know mm-hmm. we get literally the police coming after them so right and i think that was definitely a visual metaphor yeah moment. it was that was saying being shown the light having something illuminated don't do it revelated twerculated you you said it not me Obtusified. Obtusified. What the fuck? <laughs> I like twerkulated. You all ready for the twerkulator? <laughs> it's a city girl song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> having having it, uh, the revelation that he was not in fact crazy mm-hmm. and yeah. that this creature is real. That moment with get out of the light is a visual metaphor for that information leading directly to his death like Mm -hmm. it's illuminating this thing that he was in the dark about and now he's dead yeah and then i'm kind of wondering if this also harkens back to sam's aggression about keeping ron away from this yeah 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 no i think so i think it reinforces dean's need to push people away or his belief that he can't have those close relationships and being open and honest right i agree i agree with that and i also think that it like you had mentioned it definitely amps up sam's guilt and you have to wonder after seeing this episode how that's going to affect his desire to balance the scales like he mentioned in the previous episode to be clear i don't think he has any scales on need balancing but yeah. but i do think balance the scales was literally a quote from sam at I, one point yeah, yeah. He may have said that not quite word for word but yeah when they're figuring things out we get one of my favorite cheesy moments yeah which is when they're going to kill the woman they think is a shapeshifter mm-hmm. and she faints oh yeah. yeah and then sam's face of like what the fuck do we do now like that's never happened before is just great i love it i think there was actually like such a really skillful use of humor yes. in this episode like yes. it never got like too funny but the levity was enough to break up some of the more serious content mm-hmm. and especially with an episode that involves police mm-hmm. which has a lot of annoying procedural rules that you have to follow for television and whatever mm-hmm. um i think it kept the pacing really smooth to have you know like yeah. sam being irritated at sherry and then the fainting and mm-hmm. it just feels so like realistic that. like nothing was forced humor right it, this whole episode genuinely feels like how something might go right right yeah oh i did want to talk about yeah. with sherry too just something to note whenever sexuality comes up as a topic of conversation with sam dean is like right on it but then whenever that's inverted sam is like actively annoyed mm-hmm. right yeah i would be like trying to get dean back so hard after all of his comments and stuff i'd be like yeah he's probably into you you should like i'd be like do you know what else he's into and then just <laughs> weird shit. yeah he's like if you like go on a date with him make sure you put your tongue directly in his ear (laughs) exactly oh my god that would be great i think just like in the setting of this episode he's just too irritated yeah absolutely going on like it's not the time yeah 
I do want to talk about Sherry some more. Can we talk yeah. about Yeah, her? for sure. Yeah, I had mentioned before there's the sort of shifting opinion that she has for Dean. Yes. <laughs> Allie just slow blinks at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's to hide the eye roll. <laughs> but no, you're totally right. Like, um, it, that's a big thing in this episode of going from how she's perceiving Dean and then when it's revealed, who, like, who Dean really is. Oh, he's so sad yeah. when she says like why are you helping i thought you were supposed to be like a good person yeah like his need to tell her his name to me again speaks to this deep desire to be known by someone Mm. and i'm just like oh god it just it just makes me so sad let me hug you yeah (laughs) i'm scaring Allie today this energy has been missing for a while, I think. You think I'm the one who threatens Jasper? Like, no, Jasper's the one. What? What? That, that is such a lie. Jasper's That's totally uncalled for. One. I am not. <laughs> Don't look at Jasper. I'm just... Allie, I can see your shorts. Yeah, they're pink. Do you <laughs> like them? <laughs> <laughs> I was afraid you'd think they're me because I'm very pale. <laughs> no, it's cool. But yeah, no, I, I really like what they did with um, Sherry, too. They made her very polarized in both directions yeah. of the revelation. Yeah. And I think I have a lot of feelings about the shifter as Sherry. They used the imaging that we're used to for mm-hmm. the victimized woman in her underwear. And it's her this, slip. It's a slip. Mm-hmm. And it is, I think, more pale blue than white. But it's close enough that, you know, you're like, oh, here we go again. But then when she turns out to not be dead Mm -hmm. and is fighting back, you know, I do enjoy that subversion. Mm -hmm. And I think it does call to question again, like, does the shifter have the right to survive here? Yeah. So my thing was, is like, this writer seemed really Mm self-aware of how used the woman in white was in this episode to then take the show's own trope and subvert it and i was like thought that was really funny i like that meta edlund your mind yeah Yeah. and i hope now edlund hopefully edlund was like hey y'all we've used this trope so damn much maybe it's time to retire it but i doubt it all i can think of though we know the shifter has been stealing clothes from people where did the shifter get that slip did he kill someone else to get a slip? Probably. Right, right. Because otherwise, it, it he or she or they or yeah. whatever should have just been nudie tootie. Yeah. But, like... Obviously, they can't show that. But right. It's just interesting to me. Yeah. That shifter hmm. went to some very smart extremes. Yeah. And I also love the dual like the the dual pressure of having to chase the shifter mm-hmm. while hiding from the feds like that is such a good tension of having both going yes. at once well, yes that was great well, what i yeah what i like is like um they know how to fight a shifter we've seen them doing it so like the real like bad big bad of this episode is not the shifter itself it's the situation they're True, in right which so, yeah. is complicated by the mm-hmm. FBI. Mm-hmm. 
I did have one more thing Mm -hmm. about Sherry. I'm sorry. Because we're talking about self-perception versus outward perception Mm -hmm. and lies and truth and everything, Mm -hmm. having the two Sherrys next to each other and not knowing which one is the monster just Mm -hmm. seemed like a perfect visual metaphor for the issues of character that are going on for Dean in this episode. Yeah. And then having to pick which one he was going to kill. Yeah, absolutely. Which he wanted to choose the original. I, I love, love his face. He just yeah. like, this, yeah, like shrugs at it and is like, eh, I'll kill this woman. <laughs> oh, Dean. I understand just wanting True. it to be over with, though. Like, man, what a bad day. Yeah, especially because they knew that they were going to have to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, right. At first, when they're, they open the door and find the two people passed out, gagged, laying there, mm-hmm. even though I've seen this a stupid number of times, I still thought it was Sam and Dean at first. <laughs> I feel like that's every episode. You're <laughs> like, even though I've seen this 40 times, I'm still surprised. <laughs> yeah. I know. As soon as I saw Sam, like, one punch man, three guys, I was like, oh, yeah, I know what they're going to do. Right. They're going to shift. Yeah. Swap members. Yeah. Oh, I didn't see it was Sam who punched him. I might mm-hmm. have been writing a note and just saw a punch and then them in the closet. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Sam takes their gun mm. and hits them in the oh, face yeah. with it. Yeah. I no. love I love that you pointed out that they shifted into a different role. Yeah, True. literally. Yeah. yeah, and that's something that since this is their last costume change, mm-hmm. I wanted to point out that I love how many times they changed costumes yeah. and disguises mm-hmm. to blend in um in this episode about shape-shifting mm-hmm. it's just another really wonderful layer mm, the texture we love it we love it well and like um the idea of dealing with both a supernatural enemy and the police at the mm-hmm. same time shows how they shift between two worlds they're stuck in a yeah. liminal space oh if you would have it they are the bridge oh <laughs> Oh man, I'm getting my, my all my verbiage, my my pilot episode nonsense coming back. <laughs> it's not nonsense now, bitch. <laughs> Good. So the last big thing that I really wanted to talk about, which is something we didn't actually talk about for season one, episode six, skin. I think we just <laughs> we just were talking about so much other shit. It slipped through the cracks somehow, but I thought that we could take some time to talk about gender and sexuality with regards to shape-shifting and what sort of implications those topics and their connection have to the fact that Dean is specifically tied to the shape-shifter in particular. He's big gay. That's the implication. Sorry, Jasper was so excited to talk about this, and I just broke them. Gay. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's basically what I'm winding up to say. I just, you know, thought we could sound a little more measured and analytical about it. But, you know, that's, uh, yeah. Well, I think there's, of course, just a lot to say about Dean and how he shifts through different roles Mm -hmm. in this episode. I would say even... A lot more so than Sam, where Sam was a lot more one note in this episode. Mm-hmm. And in Skins, when we're dealing with the shapeshifter, the shapeshifter was literally Dean. 
Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said for the fact that the shapeshifter does change genders. Yeah. Yeah. In both episodes, but in this one, I feel it's more significant because it spends mm. more time as Sherry and Dean actually fights the shifter as both the man and the woman. I think it's significant that Sherry was sexually interested in him, but then he had to fight Sherry as the monster after. Like, somehow, there's something brewing in my brain about, like, fighting some sort of heteronormative expectation there. Yeah. I was having a hard time, like trying to write a note about that when we were watching that episode i was like how the fuck do i want to phrase this hey big gay thank you Allie. i like the kind of subtle not obvious queer coding in this mm-hmm. episode though yeah i think it's fun i'm actually curious because we had already talked a little bit about his interaction with the jeweler earlier and how yeah. that could be read quite a few different ways and I kind of think we could do the same with his fight with Sherry. Like, could it be kind of literally, yeah, him fighting against um, her sexual interest in him and the expectations of how to react to that? Mm-hmm. Or is it literally just quite literally that he's just fighting Sherry? But <laughs> I <laughs> didn't knows? read it as that. I could see why it could be read as that. To me, what stood out was less about the fighting and more about specifically shifting to fit in and like fit through the system oh yeah absolutely i think that's the biggest part of it i especially because and i i think the fact that henriksen brings up his paramilitary upbringing Mm -hmm. is is a huge part of this this is such a macho environment and like the kind of masking Mm -hmm. that you have to do in that kind of environment obviously i don't have experience as a queer man but i do know queer men yeah it's a lot you do have to be able to shift Mm -hmm. between this heteronormative environment and the person that you actually are and i think that we've seen before that dean doesn't necessarily identify with the kind of environment Mm -hmm. that he was brought up in so it leads you to question like how far can you take that especially when he is specifically called a monster and the monster that he is paralleled with is is the shifter in particular that's interesting because i didn't think of it with gender and sexuality at all i thought of it in terms of justice oh yeah so having the constraints of the justice system as what they are even though dean knows he's like doing the quote-unquote right thing he has to shift and be a shapeshifter to be able to operate in what society thinks justice is right rather than what true justice is i think both of those readings are there Mm -hmm. honestly especially because there's such a good foundation of his distaste for cops yeah overall but in this episode yeah uh, specifically i think you just can't talk about the idea of monstrosity like purposely pushing someone into a role that is not natural for them in this kind of way without talking about the ways that you present yourself to society Mm -hmm. i agree i just don't always think that's gender i think it could take different facets saw into right i mean yeah again i i think it's both And, you know, Mm -hmm. if the shapeshifter had only been men, I probably wouldn't have thought as much about the queer coding here. I think I might have thought of it more. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Because that, to me, almost feels more intentional. Mm. But 
The only thing I have is the final scene. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I liked, of course, you know, we find out that they disguise as SWAT members Mm -hmm. and they're in the car. They're about ready to leave. And I feel like we get the like last facet of masking in the episode I thought was fun. Mm -hmm. This isn't the first time that they've had the police used as like a foil while they're trying to also investigate a supernatural occurrence Mm -hmm. and they really kept their cool through this episode and so i just love like that line we're screwed because it's so we're so screwed because it's like they are actually freaking out we just don't get to see that because they're so in the zone of being in the role of the supernatural hunters right during this so we have the perfect song and song break in this moment we have it start with a renegade like oh mama i'm in fear for my life yeah it's um, slowly and then we have a complete pause like you think the song has gone away you think we're being left um with that and then dean says his we're so screwed line yeah and then um, they resume and they mm-hmm. resume right in and that really makes you question what's coming next and is this something that immediately they'll have to deal with? Because it does immediately like burst into like a much faster tempo song. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. And I do want to say, um, since people have asked us online more than once, we are aware that the music is different for mm-hmm. Netflix. It's just none of us really mm-hmm. want to go and buy <laughs> physical copies, yeah. A. And B, I feel like a lot of people use Netflix. So yeah. it's perfectly viable to talk about the choices for the Netflix version. And this song hasn't changed. This was the same one as in the original, specifically. Yeah, but if anyone does listen to us talking about a music, talking about the music yeah. in the show, and you're like, hey, in the original scoring of this episode, I really like what they did here. I would love to read it. Yeah, so. no, I would love to know about the details of the original scoring and how they're different from what we get in this version like absolutely yeah if you know big ones that changed or changed any like reading of it let us know i'm excited to hear this fanfic so excited it gave me the hiccups (laughs) what i have for you today was actually inspired by the use of costume changes Mm. over and over again the title of this one is crazy hex girlfriend when was this fan fiction released, if you don't want me asking? I do not mind. This was published on the 22nd of October in 2016 okay. because it is a Halloween fic. Ooh. It was written for the Dusty L Halloween mini bang that year. It has around 3,500 hits. And it's actually by uh, an author that I've read some of their work before. It's Witch Steel, which Ooh. like the preposition. So W-H-I-C-H Steel. Mm-hmm. Summary, Dean and Cass infiltrate an extravagant couples-only Halloween party at the invitation of the party's host who has been receiving mysterious threats. They patrol the party for hex bags and dark altars, interview suspects, and Dean happily scores a lot of free food. He just wishes he could score with Cass. Ooh. Ooh. It's rated M, so nothing too raunchy. The characters are Cass, Dean, Sam, and Jody Mills. Additional tags are... My beloved fake pretend relationship. <laughs> Pining, angst with a happy ending. My number one favorite, actually. Light angst, cowboy dean, cowboy hats, cowboy cast, cowboy costumes. Halloween, case fic, 
Supernatural Canonverse Season 12, Witches, Dean Hates Witches, Everyone is Bad at Feelings, Costume Parties, Monsters, Destiel Halloween Minibang. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Sounds fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really love Canonverse. I love Case Fix because they feel the most like a canon episode. Yeah, absolutely. I just really love the closed narrative structure of a small mystery. I think it's very, very fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, Dean would have Castiel dress up as a cowboy. Yeah, I love that we haven't even gotten that far into the show <laughs> to where they've introduced the fact that he's like obsessed with cowboy shit, but you're like already aware of he it. He just has that energy. <laughs> that big homo energy. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> True. Hate to break it to you, cowboys are gay. <laughs> But yeah, I just thought, oh, costumes and appearances were such a big thing in this episode. How about a costume-themed fic? I love it. So I guess now that we've discussed the fic, we should rate the episode. Let's. I really liked this episode. What I complain about a lot in Supernatural or have where I feel like they aim for a theme and they're just not able to fully bring it home. I feel like this episode like did in spades. So I'm going to give it a 4.5 conspiracy posters out of five. And the reason I took the 0.5 off can't say it's a perfect episode i think it just has a little bit of of course like some violence that could have been better done i think we fully didn't understand the intention of sam's character mm-hmm. completely but it was very fun to talk about um, yeah so yeah four right. 4.5 out of five what about you ali i'm going to rate it based on the well-developed characters Mm-hmm. exciting plot lines, solid use of a monster, mm-hmm. and just overall cohesion. So I will give it five out of five Ooh. shapeshifter oozes. Perfect Ooh. score. I love that. <laughs> Thank you for keeping it simple with your little rating system there. No promises next time. Mm. I'm actually going to give this one a five out of five bank vaults because I think the questions that are left unanswered for me are ones that don't necessarily need to have an answer. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes for a very interesting and compelling narrative. There were definitely things that I was like, uh, like, like we talked about the mm-hmm. one black man who was a hostage and his objectification and subsequent villainization were a little ewy but i think the way it was balanced with other characters in the season and just with the presence of victor henriksen it's something that i not hand wave because that's really flippant and callous in this context but there's a greater context to it, even in the episode where it's not the only right. person featured. See, I take right. with greater yeah, contextualization. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't suffer from the problem of a single narrative the yes. way many of the other episodes that include racist violence and racist depictions of black people do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Jordan. Earlier, you were saying you were excited for the future of this. I want to hear your predictions. So this is a tough one because we're adding a whole nother layer of threat 
to the overall story in general now. And I'm so happy to because you were just saying how upset you were that it's been a little one note in terms of the overarching story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ooh, next one's adding more plot content. I'm kind of hoping um, that the Roanoke zombies will come back. And then there's also a standoff with the police. And we're going to have like a police versus zombies episode. But that'd probably be too fun. And now I'm like, we're probably not going to get werewolves for a while. Because they just brought them up. What are we going to get? Where's the special children? Where have they been? <laughs> They're gone forever. What's going on with Ava? Are we, gonna, are we finally going to have our Ava episode? Our Evangelion episode? I would love that. (laughs) Give me gay angels. Oh, wait, we might get those. (laughs) Okay. Cohesively, they're going to try and go on the run next episode Mm -hmm. while also trying to investigate what could have possibly happened to Ava. Maybe they will do so through a hint given to them from the roadhouse of maybe a similar murder to her husband. So they go to investigate that. What they find, I'm not sure. That's it. I love it. I'm just so excited for you to watch the rest of this season. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhart, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Providence, Rhode Island. Bye. Bye. Bye.